0: Welcome to the Trending with Show. It's Thursday morning. It is super dark out I, in in uh, Oklahoma City, at least. The storms lingering off to the north. You can probably kind of see that out the window if you're watching the uh, video version of the podcast on Facebook. The uh, window behind me, at least when I <clears throat> when I move my uh, my head out of the way. I, I've got to read. I'm just going to read this paragraph, the opening paragraph from uh, Politico's morning. Huddle email. Uh, this means war. Democrats launched an all-out assault on President Donald Trump on Wednesday, unleashing a flurry of aggressive oversight moves and making crystal clear that they aren't going to sit back and do nothing following the anticlimactic conclusion of the Russia probe. The fresh investigative effort could also help appease the disappointed liberal flank of the caucus now that impeachment has moved to the back burner. So there is your uh courtesy of Politico, there is your update from uh Washington D.C. and the uh yeah, I mean, you know, it, no collusion, no problem. Uh good news on the other hand from Washington D.C. and then we'll get to uh, to the electoral college and some local news here in Oklahoma. But uh the good good to see Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans uh, moving to shorten the amount of time taken for debate on judicial nominees from 30 for for just i think it's just for district court nominees from 30 hours down to 2 hours yeah it 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 is a reminder of what you lose when you lose the ability and i i you know this is this is true for both sides in in the US Senate and in every other similar institution you know, think about it right the, the filibuster used to work pretty okay right and the all these arcane US Senate rules that required lo- or, or allowed for long periods of debate all this stuff used to work really you know we, we, we had these rules for hundreds of years and uh, I mean, in, in some cases and, and for decades in other cases and all these rules worked fine when people were willing to be flexible and when people you know when people only use the filibuster for really serious things, then the filibuster was fine, but but once you have people on both sides using the filibuster for everything, then you can't have a filibuster because it produces paralysis. I, I you know it, it is and it is something lost. I think it is something lost, but uh, but something gained uh, because uh, be, because you know once once it becomes simply absurd to have a 30-hour debate rule uh, for all judicial nominees in the Senate, then you've got to do away with it. And that's what Mitch McConnell has done, and uh, that will be a good thing. That's something that uh, Oklahoma's junior Senator Lankford has been, uh, James Lankford, been pushing for that change, and so a uh, a win for him and a win for the country. So Beto O'Rourke says the, uh, the Electoral College is... A vestige of slavery. Jumping on the, the bandwagon here. Kristen Gillibrand uh, out uh, on April 1st, but I don't think it was an April Fool's joke. Uh, Kristen Gillibrand uh, saying that uh, our democracy, this is in a tweet, our democracy is built on the principle of one person, one vote. It can't function until we restore that principle it's time to abolish the United States Senate. Oh, no, no, wait. She didn't say that. It's Because t- she's a senator. She said it's time to abolish the Electoral College. I mean, these... Are how... <clears throat> how can I say this respectfully? Of uh, wannabe Senator <coughs> uh, Beto O'Rourke. He's, uh, he's not just a wannabe senator. He's also a wannabe Hispanic. Uh, Beto O'Rourke. And uh, actual Senator Kristen Gillibrand. I mean, how can I say this respectfully? Like... Do these people not understand the the reason why the electoral college over represents small states and, and it isn't you know isn't uh, perfectly uh, one person one vote is partly that it's a two stage process which is also how things work in the United States Senate right it's not direct democracy obviously it's a it, it's a legislative body it's a two stage process right but it but it's also i mean the Senate represents states it represents Geographic pieces of the country, and uh, and the reason why the electoral college overrepresents small states is because the Senate is is part of the calculation that makes up the electoral college. I mean, th- honestly, Kristen Gillibrand. I mean, I read this again. Our democracy is built on the principle of one person, one vote. I mean, first of all, that's not in the Constitution. That's not th- th- that's not at all the case. And this is why. And and you know, I, I try not to get involved in semantic debates, but this is one reason why a lot of conservatives get, you know, the hair starts raising on, on the back of our necks when people start talking about a democracy because we're a republic. Although even, you know, even there that doesn't necessarily capture. James Madison said a republic is uh, basically a country where you have, you know, you have a two-step process. You elect representatives and the representatives run the government. I would add one thing to James Madison's definition because I think the idea of a republic is is that it's not just that government rests with the people. It's not just that government power comes from the people. That's, I think that's half the idea of a republic. Even, and I'm s- sort of slightly disagreeing with James Madison here, at least adding to what James Madison said about it. The idea of a republic is the power rests with the people, but you have these mediating institutions, and you have a constitutional system for a reason, right? And it's not just efficiency. You have these things because you actually, the, the purpose, the principle is not one person, one vote. Not the funda- That's not the fundamental principle. That's a crappy fundamental principle. If you, if you want to know the truth, one person, one vote, that, that's a terrible fundamental principle. The fundamental principle is individual rights or liberty or however you want to put it, human rights. If you like that phrase better, that's the fundamental principle, not one person, one vote. That's not the fundamental principle. That's not the most important thing. That's a terrible fundamental principle because that means as soon as a majority of the people want to uh, take your stuff and kill your family? Oh, one person, one vote. That's our fundamental principle: one person, one vote. But it's especially absurd for members of the United States Senate, like Kristen Gillibrand, to, to trot this stuff out. And I'm sure that you know, I'm sure that her, you know, whatever it is, 0.8% uh, supporters in the uh, Democrat presidential nominating contest, or 1.5, or wherever she is in the polls. I'm sure they just lap this stuff up. <gasps> oh yeah, one person, one vote. Because, uh, well, you know. Who wants to spend time thinking in uh, national politics today? Uh, one, one more Electoral College update. In Ohio, there's a group pushing to put national popular vote on the ballot. And uh, the, uh, the Cincinnati Inquirer has this funny story up there about this effort to, to, to try to pass national popular vote in Ohio at the ballot box. And uh, the fact that the, the people doing it are trying to hide who they are. And hide where their money's coming from, which is fascinating to me, and, and you know, kind of, kind of silly because ultimately this stuff comes out, and it comes out long before the uh, you know they, they can hide it for a while, but you can't hide it forever, and uh, and they they clearly piqued the Cincinnati Inquirer's uh, curiosity here, and so uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on. That. I mean, we know who's behind all this stuff, and we'll keep an eye on that, and I do not expect that. They'll actually be successful, even getting it to the ballot in Ohio. That's a uh, that's a high hill to climb there uh, because uh, because of the size of the state. But I mean, maybe we'll we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. The uh, the uh, grassroots campaign in Colorado to challenge national popular vote, try to repeal national popular vote in Colorado at the ballot box. Is, uh, is still uh, moving right along there, and we also will keep you apprised of that. I'm going to take a quick break here on the Trent England Show. We're going to come back and talk about uh, the shakedown of Purdue Pharmaceutical. You know, maybe you think Purdue Pharma is a terrible company. That may be right. I, I just, I don't know. But, but it still doesn't mean that it's right for government lawyers to go out and shake them down, and I've got a little bit more on that story this morning, and uh, fake hate crimes. I was doing some research on this before the show, and it's fascinating how many fake hate crimes there are. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back on The the Show. Trey Gowdy. I can finally say it. It's former Congressman Trey Gowdy, who's going to be the featured speaker for OCPA's Citizenship Award Dinner this spring. For all the details, visit ocpathink.org or call 405-602-1667. That's OCPAThink.org or by phone 405-602-1667 to sponsor a table or get tickets to Oklahoma's biggest conservative bash of the year. It's going to be Trey BN. Hi, this is Curtis Sheldon at OCPA. It's state budget time, and you know what that means? A lot of confusing debates, questionable claims, and political jargon. If you want to know what's really going on, I've created some simple descriptions of the process along with words you need to know and some basic charts and graphs. You can find it all on the OCPA webpage or the OCPA Facebook page. And if you have any more questions, feel free to send us a message at the OCPA Facebook page, and I or someone on our team will get back to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the Trent England Show. If you want to get more involved, sign up for OCPA emails at ocpathink.org. That's ocpathink.org. You can also join our private group on Facebook, the OCPA Patriots. Both provide exclusive content, including the latest OCPA research, and keep you in the loop with what's going on at the Capitol. Thanks for listening. Do you want to share an episode of The Trend England Show with friends? Or do you want to replay an episode or catch one you missed? You can get The Trend England Show anytime, anywhere on Facebook at The Trend England Show page or follow me on Twitter at Trend England. You can also find the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play and on the OCPA website at ocpathink.org slash Show. Thanks for listening, and thanks for sharing. Okay, so I just uh, tossed in the uh, comments section on the uh, video version of the podcast up at the Trending the Show Facebook page the links to the stories we talked about in the first half and to the next story here, which is uh, over at Nondoc, Trey Savage reporting some of the concerns of Oklahoma State legislators about this settlement with Purdue Pharma. And, you know, look, here's the deal. Because I know a lot of people think these, these drug companies are terrible companies. And, I you know, I don't, I don't know. It, it's To me, it's always hard to say. I mean, you, you've got, uh, with, with any big company, with any big enterprise, uh, and, uh, you know, obviously you got people out there trying to make a buck, and you also have people out there who have invented and marketed products that are really helpful for some people and turn out to be really detrimental to other people. But legislators are raising an important question which is what whatever happened well this is how i put it when i just posted this a moment ago whatever happened to the power of the purse we've we've talked about this on the show we talked about civil uh civil asset forfeiture right the power i mean these are other government attorneys right who go out and take people's stuff and they take people's stuff based on the idea that these people uh, are involved in criminal activity and you know that that's all well and good if they're actually involved in criminal activity and if you go through a i mean it's not just that right and if you go through some kind of a an actual legal process with checks and balances to make sure that that's actually the case. Uh, We've we've been able to show, you've been able to report really other people's work showing that it's not always the case. I mean, sometimes you have a literal shakedown because you have a huge power imbalance. You've got, you know, you got some poor guy who uh, happens to be carrying around some cash. Maybe it's his life savings. Maybe he gets, you know, maybe he gets paid in cash or whatever that would probably get the IRS after him but not not your local prosecutor they say hey we think we think you're involved in drugs we're going to take that money and you know if if you want to get out of jail tonight you have got to sign this form and they sign the form and then they you know and then their money is gone and that's not how it's supposed to work and that's in the the one of the problems with the most obvious problem with that is government stealing people's stuff but another problem with that is it circumvents the power of the purse because this money goes into law enforcement agencies and they get to decide what to do with it. And, you know, a lot of people get a lot of people really get tricked into thinking, well, that's great. I, I love police officers and the police officers get to buy stuff that keeps them safe. And so that's a good thing. And, and if the ends justify the means, it's, it's probably a good thing. If the ends don't justify the means and we actually care about the rule of law, it's a terrible thing. Because, you know, whether whether it's in a county or a city or at the state level, we actually elect people who are supposed to have the power of the purse, who are supposed to have the, the, the decision-making authority about how government resources are spent. And once a dollar, you know, we've had to talk about this with fines and fees and civil asset forfeiture receipts and now with this, uh, with this uh, Purdue Pharma shakedown money. Once the dollar comes into government, it, it be- who does it belong to? Does, does it belong to Mike Hunter? Or or a DA or whoever does does it belong to the government agent? You know, if, if a police officer is involved in in seizing somebody's property, does it belong to the police officer? Or does it belong to the people of the state, or the people of the county, or the people of the city, the people of that jurisdiction? It, it belongs to us, right? This is the, whether it's T set money, uh, pharma shakedown money. Once that money comes into the government, it belongs to us, and it is our elected representatives who should make decisions about how that money gets spent. It should never be. I mean, we are begging for corruption in the state of Oklahoma if we allow law enforcement to not just be judge, jury, and executioner, but also to decide how they spend the stuff they take, right? We are begging for corruption if we allow the attorney general's office to go out Extract a settlement from somebody, right? I mean, it, it, never even going before a jury, right? I mean, this is this is basically all worked out by a bunch of lawyers behind the scenes, work out this settlement deal behind the scenes, and then decide how the money gets spent. I mean, you don't you don't think that is just begging for corruption? Good for non-doc Trey Savage covering this story. I put the link up at the Trending England Show page, and we'll uh, probably say a little bit more about it over on the new uh, show blog. At some point later today, we'll we'll see about that. I did notice also. Uh, I just have to say this because uh, uh, because I'm a uh, I'm a snarky guy. But uh, left wing Oklahoma Watch has this series they're doing on poverty in Oklahoma called the Invisibles, and I noticed that they put this story up a couple days ago on making a home in the midst of blight and on the plight of people living surrounded by blight. It, it caught my eye because blight is a catchphrase used by you know used by big government urban planners to steal homes from poor people through eminent domain so i thought you know i thought what is it, oklahoma watch uh, are they trying to to uh, you know do the dirty work here or do the the initial work for some urban planners who want to steal poor people's stuff but it doesn't look like that it, they're just you know it's just kind of a a sob story about people who live in in uh, in crummy neighborhoods and uh, i i am expecting however that the first time one of these crummy neighborhoods starts to improve, we'll probably see another another post in this series from Oklahoma Watch about the evils of gentrification. Because that's how it works. You know, if the neighborhood's crappy, it's it's a terrible you know it's a terrible thing, and certainly some uh, you know evidence of uh, wealth inequality. And then if the neighborhood starts getting better, the same people go out and say, "Oh, this is gentrification. They're they're making it hard for poor people to live." Okay. Uh, hate crimes in, uh, Oklahoma city and Norman, you probably, if you live in Oklahoma, if you live in Oklahoma city metro area, you've seen the pictures of this, uh, I mean, super over the top, weird, uh, welcome to Germany, all kinds of weird, uh, uh, you know, Nazi Germany type references. There's something about Angela Merkel, uh, spray painted in, in one of these places. All just bizarre, bizarre stuff. And, uh. And it, as I've seen these stories, and I've seen it on Twitter, because there's all these people. If you're on Twitter, sorry, and if you're not on Twitter, don't don't you know, you don't want to be there. But but I am, and because uh, I'm suffering for you um, to report the hyperventilation of the Oklahoma City Metro Left, um, you know, just I mean they are so excited. They're so excited. I mean they you know, because this gives them an opportunity to tweet. I've seen multiple comments about people crying and about people going to these places and just, you know, breaking down and all of this virtue signaling about oh, not in our community and all. And look, you know, maybe maybe this was done by a real middle-aged female Nazi cuz there's now surveillance footage of this lady uh, who spray-painted this stuff. And I was watching one of the clips before the show this morning and I mean she's it, it looked like it kind of looked like maybe she had like a piece of paper with the, what she wanted to write written. She looked very organized, very well kept. She didn't have a, you know, didn't have a, she had one of those haircuts that, uh, that somebody stole from the, from the late 70s. And, uh, and, and I mean, she didn't look like a Nazi. There's a, there's a trial going on in Great Britain, uh, real not, like real neo-Nazi people on trial. And I saw some of the photos of these real neo-Nazi people on trial, and uh, you know, like, like most you know Nazi thug losers, uh, they were young, they were outcasts, they looked like you know they, they looked like they wanted to be part of some post-apocalyptic, uh, post-apocalyptic uh, biker gang, right? They didn't look like this lady in Oklahoma City and Norman. Uh, she looked like she would have fit in very well at your local Democrat uh, precinct meeting. And uh, you know I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, right? I, I mean, maybe not. May, maybe she's a real Nazi. But uh, there's there's a great website. And I'm going to share this up at the Trent England Show uh, blog page. There is a database of fake hate crimes in the United States. When I saw this story, the the very first time I saw this story, it 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 just gave me flashbacks. And I've talked about this on the show. I think last week but it gave me flashbacks of this this hate crime that happened at my college a few years after I left that was staged by a left-wing professor who just, I mean, look, these, it is so easy for people on the far left to, to you know, they thrive, and you see it on Twitter, all these, they thrive on victimization. They need it. They need for there to be, you know to to be hatred out there they need hate crimes and when there aren't hate crimes when there's when they can't find the hatred out there some of them yeah, I mean, these are i'm not saying this all ideology i mean i think these are these are people with you know with, with a crazy you know destructive ideology coupled with i'm sure some you know some serious personal problems but when they when they don't when they don't get the hate crimes they need they go ahead and create them themselves and this, this database is really impressive. You can go through here and just see uh, case after case after case all around the country of fake hate crimes. And a lot of them, now statistically, I'll, I'll end with this, because I'm not a math guy, but I like to use math. I like to bring math into, because I just know a little bit of it, so I figure I should use what I've got, uh, into public policy analysis. And here's the math on this. right? And I, now, I can't, I can't, I've got to rely on a little bit of intuition here. Uh, but uh, think about how many, how many actual neo-Nazis are there out there in the country, right? I mean, how many people are sitting around thinking the kinds of stuff that, that was spray-painted on the Oklahoma uh, Democratic Party and those couple of places down in Norman? How many, how many people like, are, are there like that? And then ask yourself this question. So we, we got them on one side of the scale. How many people are there out there? I'm going to move my hand so you can see my whole scale here. Uh, if you're watching the video on the Trending the Show Facebook page, so we, we've got we've got the people there who are actual Nazis. How many people are there out there on the left who think that 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 there are all these conservative Nazis out there? Right? Are are there more? Are there more crazy leftists who think that a huge number of conservatives are Nazis, or are there more Nazis? And I think it's absolutely empirically clear. I I don't, I mean, I don't, if you're on the left and you did, if you're anybody and you disagree with me, put it in the comments on the the, uh, Facebook page and and tell me why. I think there are far more leftists who think that all of their opposition are secret Nazis than there are Nazis. I mean, I think, I mean, by orders of magnitude, there's probably a hundred times more people on the, you know, people out there who are paranoid about Nazis than there are Nazis which means which means it's actually if i'm right about that it is statistically more likely that this kind of a hate crime with with just the the weirdness of it all is perpetrated by a hoaxer on the left than some actual nazi out there that's my that's my contention it could be could be an actual nazi thug i'm not not saying it's impossible i'm going to put the link up on our uh, new blog page i'll share it over at the facebook page to this fake Hate crimes database. It's just interesting stuff to go through and kind of give you some context on all of this, as uh, as the uh, Oklahoma City metro area is being uh, being embroiled in in this. Uh, you know, we, we'll see we'll see where the middle aged uh, the middle aged lady with the uh, Farrah Fawcett wannabe haircut uh, where she strikes next with her spray paint, uh, or if the police the play I, at some point I think they'll get her and then we'll find out. And I'm I'm excited to learn what's really going on that's all i've got for the morning we will be back one more day on the uh, trend england show here thanks so much for being a part of the program remember you can find us all over the place online stitcher soundcloud apple uh, you know apple podcast google play music podcast or whatever they call it we're all over the place thanks for listening